Welcome to worship this morning. It's a pleasure to have you all here, especially as you made it out into the wonderful weather this morning. Uh, you know, we get to talk about some great stuff at church on Sunday mornings, and we get to see a really great example for our lesson in the second lesson this morning when we see Paul uh, under house arrest and he's writing to the Philippians. And it's really amazing because as we see Paul, even under house arrest, uh, we see him just thrive with joy uh, for the gospel. Uh, you know, the gospel not only gets us ready for this life, as we see from Paul, it also makes him uh, ready to go into the next, as he possibly is about to face death. Now, his history, historically, we know he doesn't, but um, we do know that uh, he, it's a possibility for him as he's writing the Philippians. And so that'll kind of be what we talk about in our service today in our sermon uh, as we go ahead and we begin with our opening hymn. Do make sure you have a worship folder. Divine Service 2 is our, our liturgy for this morning, so it's not in the front of your hymnal. So if you don't have a worship folder, there should be plenty more in the back. Please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear friends, let us approach God with a true heart and confess our sins, asking Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Lord of life, 
I confess that I am my nature dead in sin, for faithless worrying and selfish pride, for sins of habit and sins of choice, for the evil I have done and the good I have failed to do. You should cast me away from your presence forever. O oh Lord, I am sorry for my sins. Forgive me for Jesus' sake. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In His great mercy, God has made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sins. So hear the word of Christ through His called servants. I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the well-being of all people everywhere, that they may receive from you all they need to sustain body and life, hear our prayer, O Lord. For the spread of your life-giving gospel throughout the world, that all who are lost in sin may be brought to faith in you, hear our prayer, O Christ. Christ have mercy. For patience and perseverance in this life, that we may not lose the hope of heaven as we await your return, hear our prayer, O Lord. Lord have mercy. Lord of life, live in us that we may live for you. Lord be with you. 
Let us pray. O God, the strength of all who trust in you, mercifully hear our prayers. Be gracious to us in our weakness and give us strength to keep your commandments in all we say and do. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first lesson for this morning comes from 1 Kings chapter 17. Uh, we see Elijah, the prophet of God, come to a Shunammite woman. And after he has already uh, provided for this woman by telling her how to uh, survive this famine, all of a sudden we see her lose her son. But we see God, however, work through Elijah to show this woman that he has power over death, and he brings her joy instead of sorrow in the end. 1 Kings chapter 17. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, you have brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die. Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. This is the word of the Lord. We continue with our song of the day, Psalm 30, found on page 76 in front of your hymns.
Our second lesson comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 1. Again, this is where we see Paul uh, during his first imprisonment, and he's writing to the Philippians while in prison. We see he still rejoices uh, over the gospel. And this will be our sermon text for this morning as well. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. This is the word of the Lord. A verse of the day, Alleluia. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Alleluia. Please stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Gospel according to Luke chapter 7. Glory be to you, O Lord. This is one of our Savior's demonstrations of his great power over death, even while he was still in this world doing his ministry, as he raises the son of that widow in name. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the, uh, touched the bier where they were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe, and they praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Please be seated for our hymn of the day.
to you in grace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, brothers and sisters, there were a lot of things that Paul could have had on his mind that could have just brought him down. He has not had a lot of fun in the last couple of years. He's sitting in Rome waiting for this trial that has been going on for a couple of years to finally come to a close for him. This whole process has taken him, I think it was four years, that this process of arrest and travel and trial have taken him so far as he sits under house arrest in Rome. And he started by getting arrested in Jerusalem just because the Jews hated his message. And he was accused of causing riots by the Jews all across the empire. Then he was taken from Jerusalem to Caesarea because the Romans didn't think he was safe in Jerusalem anymore because of the Jews. And when he failed to uh, get any help in Caesarea from the governors there, because they wanted to please the Jews there, and so (laughs) the Jews were only getting their way, as a Roman citizen, he decided to take his case to Caesar all the way in Rome. So he travels from Caesarea to Rome, which was in and of itself quite an adventure. He had to travel across the seas, and there were storms, and just, he got shipwrecked. But he finally gets to Rome, where he's under house arrest, where his trial is now finally coming to an end. And he's sitting there, not even knowing what's going to happen. Until we see that verdict come out for Paul, we see in the Philippian letter here, that Paul knows very well the verdict might be death for him. And so as he writes to the Philippians, not knowing what this verdict is going to be, we see him not write with a heavy heart or with sorrow or with anxiousness. We see him write with an attitude of joy and happiness. He said, I I will continue to rejoice, he said. Not understandable if Paul knew that he was going to get out and that he could continue his work. If he were going to get out and he were to continue to spread the gospel, travel to all the people he had met, the churches he had started, and do his mission work, then by all means he could certainly rejoice and continue to be strengthened in the faith and to strengthen others in their faith and the believers that he had helped along the way. But he doesn't know that for sure. He has no idea what's going to happen. For all he knows, he's facing death fairly soon. And you know what? Paul honestly just doesn't care. (laughs) He doesn't care whether he lives or whether he dies. That's strange. If you were to ask anyone on death row, I'm pretty sure they'd all rather live than die. If not all, most of them for sure. But Paul doesn't see any losing side to this situation. Paul only sees a win-win that he's in. You know, in this win-win situation for him, he doesn't worry one bit. And he writes what is a fairly popular saying now for many Christians after reading Philippians there. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Though he can't lose in either of these situations, Paul would actually still rather die I mean, can you believe that? He said to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Let's contemplate that for just a second and how backward that really seems to be. Because there's nothing in this world that just wants to die. 
Everything in this world that is alive tries to stay alive. Animals try to fight for survival. Plants tend to grow toward the sun and toward where there's water all the time. We as humans, we have special medicine to help keep us alive. We have doctors who specialize in certain diseases to help keep us alive. Nothing in this world wants to die. Our bodies naturally try to stay alive. When you get a cold or another sickness, your body learns how to fight that so it doesn't get it again. Same with other plants and other animals. We come up with technologies all the time to help us live easier, to help us live longer. Now, unfortunately, in this world, people do pass away, even though every fiber of our being wants to stay alive. And that certainly is a sad occasion. Can't deny that fact. But Paul actually looks forward to the moment when the Lord would bring him his death. How? Or maybe better, why? How and why can Paul look so forward to death as he's sitting under house arrest without any idea about what's going to happen? How can he be just as happy with a death sentence as he would be freedom given back to him? The answer is because no matter which direction he goes, no matter which sentence comes to him, Paul's main focus and Paul's strength is always in the gospel. Paul's life, since he's been converted into Christianity on that road to Damascus, has been all about the gospel. It's been about mission work. It has been about teaching and correcting. That's all he's cared about. That's always what his mission has been. He's done anything to make sure that he's got that gospel to the ends of the earth. And for Paul, there is no greater pleasure than knowing that this gospel drives him in his everyday life. That's how the children of God are. That's how the newly redeemed in Christ are. They love the gospel. That gospel is everything to them. Just as Paul, we have it and we can't help but share it. Just as Paul, we love it and we we rest every single day on it as a foundation, knowing that the gospel will get us through everything because Jesus Christ is our Savior who has defeated our enemies and rules everything for our favor. Paul knew that. You and I know that. We, We repeat with Paul what he wrote in Galatians. He said, It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. The gospel gives Paul hope in his life. The gospel also gave hope to Paul if he were to be facing death. That's how Paul could say to die is gain. Paul didn't put his hope and his joy and his. Uh, love and everything that he was into anything in this world. Because if he did, if, if everything he loved and everything he wanted and everything that brought him glory were in the world, then to him and to everyone else in this lifetime, death would only be a loss as you lose everything that you've ever cared about in this world. He would lose his material wealth, he would lose his reputation, he would lose all of the good things that he had worked hard for, that he had gained. 
He would lose any of the fame that he had. And at this point, as a missionary, Paul had quite a bit of it. I can tell you that. But Paul knew that none of this was his true treasure. Nothing that he had in this world compared to Christ for Paul. And Paul knew exactly what Jesus did. That Jesus had died on that cross and risen again and swallowed up death with death so that Paul wouldn't have to worry about it again. There was nothing, nothing for Paul to fear when it came to death. In fact, Paul was proud to die. If anything, it would serve to witness the gospel even more. Even in his death, he could share the gospel that he loved so much. Paul knew that if he were to die, whatever, whatever happened in this situation, like he says at the beginning, would work out for his deliverance. Paul writes in chapter 3 of Philippians, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. If Paul has Christ, Paul has everything he could ever want. If Paul has Christ, he has eternal life, and he has victory over death. And so he doesn't care what happens. Either way, he's got Christ and he's a winner. If anything, death would be gained because you get to be with Christ, the very Savior that he longs to be with for all of eternity in heaven. I know this is also simple and true. This is the gospel we've been hearing for so long now, that Christ has trumped everything more than you could possibly imagine. We love that. You can't lose that. You know, Paul also wrote to the Romans about uh, our Lord. He said, For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. There is nothing, and there is not a moment in this lifetime, there is not a moment in death, where Jesus does not hold you, where you are not His, where you are not saved. And Paul, sitting there writing this letter to the Philippians, could honestly tell them that if Jesus holds him through the power of the gospel, which he believed through faith, that he had no fear of death, and he would walk up to his persecutors gladly and proudly, knowing he would meet his Lord and his Savior who had conquered death forever for him. Gotta love that phrase. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Now the question is though, are you as ready as Paul was for death? I don't know if you think about it very much, but you're in the same predicament that Paul's in. You're not under house arrest, but you know that death is coming at some point, you just don't know when. Paul was either going to live or he was going to die soon. Well, the same goes for all of us. When Paul would live or die, we would be in the hands of the Lord. When we live or die, is in the hands of the Lord. But whenever that moment comes, are you ready for it? It's not pleasant to think about. And I get that. It's nothing pleasant to think that someday death is just going to come knocking at your door and you can't stop it. 
but we need to be ready for that day. We need to be able to understand why Paul could say and how we too can say that to die is gain. And the only way that you can say that proudly and strongly and with certainty is through Jesus Christ and faith in His destruction of death in the message of the gospel. That was Paul's greatest treasure and that needs to be our greatest treasure. There is nothing like it in this world. Now, if someone were to ask you if you were ready to die, whether it be tomorrow or whether it be 50 years from now, if someone asked you whether or not you're ready to die, what would you tell them? Are you prepared because you've gotten all of your chances in life that you hoped you'd get, or are you not quite ready yet because there are things you want to hold on to still? There are still things on your checklist and bucket list you want to take off. There are still places you want to see. There are still people that you want to meet and get to know. If people were to ask you if you were ready, would you be excited to go or would you be angry because this is not at all how you wanted to go? You were hoping to live longer. You were hoping to go easier. Or would you maybe be angry because you have that sin in your heart? Maybe not angry, but maybe you're just scared with that sin on your heart that you haven't told anybody about, that you have been holding on to your entire life. Are you ever worried that maybe you're not sure about how Jesus is going to see you as long as that's sitting there? Are you ready to go? Could you look at Paul and tell him too that to live is Christ and to die is gain? Will your faith be ready at death? Don't let the gospel slip away because nothing else can prepare you for that day like the gospel does. You know, with death crouching at your door, the to-do list is not going to help you at all. You need that God instead who raised through Elijah that Shunammite woman's son and demonstrated his power over death, but nothing else can stop it. When death comes knocking on your door, you need that God who raised the widow's son in Nain, and instead of bringing sorrow, he brought joy. You need him, the one whose works do count for something, the one who does have the power to stop that death from ruling over you, and the one who's taken away your sins so that death holds no fear for you and for me. You and I, we've been baptized into Christ, which means we have died with Christ, we have been raised with Christ, and just as death could not hold him in the tomb, death will not hold you and me either. Our faith in those last moments, whenever they be, our faith in those last moments rests on that fact that Jesus himself died and rose so that you deserve life over death through faith in the gospel. That's what Paul loved. That's what Paul treasured. That's what we have before us. That's what we can't take advantage of. That's what we can't take for granted. That's what we have to love and grow in and be rooted in. You can be ready for death because Jesus has made it so. Whatever, whatever, what we used to have to fear. Because believe me, death was something we had to fear. As long as we had sin in our hearts and our being, without anyone to forgive us, death was something we needed to be afraid of because death would only end in eternal punishment. But now, not having anything to fear in death, 
Because Jesus has taken it away, there's nothing more important to you and me. And we say with Paul, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, for whose sake I have lost all things. And then he calls all things garbage. I love that, the NAB 11. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. You know, your things don't matter. Your works don't matter. Your words don't matter. And when you die because of Jesus, your sins don't matter anymore. He's risen above all of that to prepare you for that day. And so when death comes, you're ready. Because when the gospel is your treasure in life, we know that it will also bring us joy in death. I don't know how many of you have ever heard of Thomas Akempis, but he wrote a devotional book. It was called Imitation of Christ. I don't agree with everything Thomas Akempis said, if, if you do know him, but he did write this. I'm going to read it in the, the Thou and Thee, just because it sounds pretty great. Thou oughtest so to order thyself in all thy thoughts and actions, as if today thou wert about to die. Labor now to live so, that at the hour of death thou mayest rather rejoice than fear. In other words, live as if today you were about to die. And knowing that, work to live in a way so that at the hour of your death, you may rejoice and not fear. Jesus has worked so that at the hour of your death, you may rejoice and not fear. Our faith trusts in that most powerful being that nothing could ever defeat. That being that loves you so much you made it positive and sure and real that death is done for you. Don't neglect or take advantage of that powerful word, but love and take care of it, cherish it. Hold on to how comforting it really is. Make it a part of your everyday life so that when life eventually comes to an end, you have it in your heart and you know that this is not the end of anything but the beginning of the rest of your eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. So when that time comes, you can say with Paul, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go living out in the body, this means fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to be, depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join together to confess our common faith in this wonderful God of ours, according to the words of the Nicene Creed, printed on page 6 of your worship folders. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, you came down from heaven, 
was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Please be seated as we collect our offering for this morning. Stand as you continue the prayer of the church. Father, for giving us life and breath, talent and energy, we thank you. For income and nourishment, for honest work and opportunities to be useful, we look gratefully to you as our provider. For safety in our travels, we rejoice in the protection your angels give. For national peace, public prosperity, and moral consciousness in all citizens, hear our prayers. Lord Jesus, through you we have the full rights of children of God. All of the Father has lavished on us through our relationship with you. We praise you for saving us and giving your life as a ransom for our sin. May our spirits revive in the rest and peace of your forgiveness. Holy Spirit, through word and sacrament, restore to us the joy of your salvation. Cause the good seed of the word to produce sturdy faith and godly attitudes and behavior in each believer. We rejoice this day in the fellowship we enjoy in our congregation and our synod. Keep our parish and synodical leaders faithful to their tasks. Make them men of both courage and prayer. Preserve Christ-centered doctrine and practice in our fellowship at all times. Make each of us active in Christian service 
and supportive of our leaders. Lord, we also come to you this morning on behalf of Essence Leach. We ask that you bless her on her birthday, and we thank you as you continue to bless her uh, with recovery so far after her chemotherapy. We ask that you continue to be with her not only today, but always as she recovers, and ask that you give her many more years to come. Lord, we also pray this morning for Jake Ultrabruns, who was recently admitted into the hospital. Though he be out of the hospital now, we ask that you continue to be with him with these symptoms which uh, have confused some of the doctors. You, Lord, are the great physician, and you know all things, and knowing what is going on at all times, we ask that you be with him and that you bless those who watch over him. Lord, we also now come to you with our own private petitions. Lord, open our eyes to see the spiritual dangers facing those who do not yet trust you as Savior and Lord. Move us to share with them the hope of an ending life we have in you. Go with us into our world and support us in all we do to your glory. Amen. We continue with the Liturgy of the Sacrament on page 7. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is good and right so to you. It is good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who has called us to be his own, so that we may live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song.
Blessed are you, O Lord of heaven and earth. We praise and thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, and we remember the great acts of love through which he has ransomed us from sin, death, and the devil's power. By his incarnation, he became one with us. By his perfect life, he fulfilled your holy will. By his innocent death, he overcame hell. By rising from the dead grave, he opened heaven. Invited by your grace and instructed by your word, we approach your table with repentant and joyful hearts. Strengthen us through Christ's body and blood, and preserve us in the true faith until we feast with him and all his ransomed people in glory everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night he is betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given into death for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Take and This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given into death for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Take and
This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which has been poured out for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which has been poured out for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Take and drink. Now may the true body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen you and preserve you in the one true faith and to life everlasting. Be of good cheer. Know that your sins are forgiven you and that you may depart in peace. Amen.
please stand as we continue to thank our Lord with the song of singing printed for you on page 10. that you have given us to eat and to drink in this sacrament. Through this gift, you have fed our faith, nourished our hope, and strengthened our love. By your Spirit, help us to live as your holy people until that day when you will receive us as your guests at the wedding supper of the Lamb, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Please be seated for the final verses of our closing hymn.